Hello everyone and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum and effortless lifestyle coach Marina Pearson talk to transformational professionals, business owners and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And today I'm super excited to be interviewing the amazing Anne Wilson, the Welsh chef. Anne Wilson is a best-selling author of The Well Chef, trainer, speaker, entrepreneur, and financial empowerment activist. She helps people master this vital ingredient called money and use it to create freedom of choice so they can live the life they really want. She's been featured in the Sunday Times, the Sunday Express, Psychologies, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Women's Health, the Huffington Post, among others, and is regularly interviewed on radio and TV. And what I love about Anne is her big, big heart and her commitment to her vision and mission. Contribution is so important to Anne that 100% of the royalties from her best-selling Hay House published book, The Welsh Chef, goes towards a small enterprise foundation, a foundation dedicated to eradicating poverty by empowering women through microloans, combined with financial literacy and 10% of the profit from her training programs goes to Caring for Girls, an organization providing sanitary pads to girls in poor communities so they can attend school. Now, aside from her big heart and her contribution to the planet, and her mission, she's just an amazing woman. Uh, She has been financially free for the last 12 years, and she really walks her talk. Not only does she uh, provide really amazing online courses around financial freedom and the steps to get there, but also her knowledge around each asset class is extraordinary because she's delved into each and every one of them and then decides to share what she's learned with others. Now, I met Anne about two years ago and I knew from the moment that I met her that I wanted her in my life. And so she became my investment mentor, my wealth mentor, if you like. And since working with Anne for the last two years, really quite frankly, my life has completely transformed in terms of the financial side. I was struggling and making my work hard because I hadn't understood that I needed to create assets with my money, not more work and more of a job. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a job at all, and there's nothing wrong with working hard. It was just that I realized that I actually wanted to spend more time with my son, and for for me to do that, I would need to create assets. Now, if you've got a business or you have the money situation isn't where you would like it to be, and you want to learn more about how to have your money work harder for you, like a team member, for example, then this is going to be a great episode for you because we really delve into what it takes to create assets versus chasing the money and the income so that you can actually build true wealth. So I really hope you enjoyed this one. We had lots of insights and happy listening. So super excited. <laughs> Another, oh, I'm always super excited about my guests, but this one, especially today, um, Anne Wilson. Wow. Well, as I've already shared in the intro, she's just an amazing woman and someone that has been such a really important part of my journey to give me the time and space I need for myself and for my son 
and to do the things that light me up and juice me because I have money and assets that are doing the hard work for me. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm free to be able to do this podcast and not worry about the money per, per se, because I actually have assets working for me. So they're like my little team doing their thing every month that bring in the money. So um, yeah, as in terms of joy of being, you know, having the assets work for you, having money work for you, she is really the person to speak about this. Uh, she's helped millions of people around the world. And so I'm super excited to have you here and today. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for that generous introduction because you're just getting to the nub of, well, what I'm so passionate about is helping people move from the slavery to money and the way that that money can really prevent people from, from being just fully engaged with life, to being present with whether it's their kids, their business life, truly what I call a wealthy life, which is really about can we just be fully here in the joy and experience it, whatever's coming up. And so often this money stuff or our belief around the struggle that there's meant to be around money, most people just misunderstand the relationship and we've been taught to be slaves to it as a deep disempowering strategy. And, and then helping people liberate from that and understand it can be a different relationship is just such a joy. So thank you, thank you for including me on your amazing podcast. So Anne, I'm super curious, you know, for the listeners, mainly mums and women in business and, you know, even maybe women who are in, in a job. One of the big things that I really notice in our society today is this thing around, I have no time. And so we do things and we build businesses and we do things that effectively are supposed to give us our time back. But what I see more and more is that actually they take our time away from the things that we really want. So often we misunderstand how to create assets. So I'd be, I really want to talk about that today, how we can create assets. What's the difference between an asset and not an asset? You know, and for someone that's maybe really already quite successful in business, but, but now wants to invest, you know, where do they even start? Um, so yeah, over to you really, because I mean, I'm intrigued. <laughs> That's a great big one. And I think it's so important when we, we really have to stop and go, what, are, what am I doing? Why am I doing all these activities? What, what is the intention? Because often a lot of these, this busyness, whether it's working, creating a business, doing something, at the, at the end of it, we, we've got some hope that it's going to contribute to our life in some way. And the irony is so often we're so, or we can get caught into a cycle. And well, for many people, I feel very grateful like you've been learning how to do that differently and so have I, um, that I've been in this place of financial freedom now for 12 years where my assets do all the earning. That we can get caught in the cycle of we're so busy earning a living or working for a living that we forget to create a life. And realizing that so often we've got this strange relationship where we think, okay, we've got to work, earn money, then we can live. Because we're believing that the relationship with money is directly related to our direct input-output. Now, there is a relationship, but often we never step back and go, could I put that input, that energy into creating something that can keep going after me? So it's that absolute, you know, a lot of people in businesses think, oh, that's what I'm trying to create for my business. I want to create a, freedom, a business so I can have more freedom and time because that's actually what most people are wanting. They want more time to be able to be present with all aspects of life. But the challenge is they never actually learn how to break that direct relationship with their energy and money 
So all an asset is, is something that can do the earning, can do the value delivery. When we think about money, it's just an exchange of value. So value is credit out and you get something in response for most of it. That return is, is money now. We, you know, move beyond the going and swapping your ball from the other person's berries that they picked. That's all it is, is an exchange of value. So an asset is something that can do that value exchange with you not having to be a vendor. So that very thing is assets buy you time. They don't necessarily buy you money, but they do actually. So if we start thinking about, ah, because what, cause I think what can happen is we can get caught up in what's an investment, what's an asset, and we, the, the money thing. But if we actually step back and go, what are we trying to create? We're trying to create the support structure that frees us up to be more present with life. So an asset can be your automated washing system, everything from, if you think of an asset at one level, we look at the, how we've evolved. Now that washing machines that can do the washing, we don't have to go down to the river anymore. That's an asset because it frees up time. But then we go really into the money world and going, how are we creating assets that actually then can do this generation of money because then that money buys us time. That money buys us the ability to have support in our lives, whether it's support for our kids, whether it enables us to free ourselves up to, to not have to go and do that earning income actively and exchanging our time in that value exchange. So when we start shifting and go, oh, okay, our focus needs to be on creating and generating assets, not generating income, it becomes a completely different focus. But the huge challenge is, you know, Marina, I know, most of us, our entire education system, our entire society is about how, how are you going to earn? What work are you going to do? Our entire education system designed and works us into how are we going to exchange our life force for money? So it's no surprise that people get into this busyness, this hustle, because we're told that how much we're going to receive, how much we're going to earn, what we're going to do, effectively our success, and often success is defined financial as well as awareness, is directly related to what we actively do. You know, when we ask kids, what are you going to be when you be? We're not actually asking, hey, how are they going to express their creativity and their engagement with vitality in life? (laughs) That would be a much nicer question. We're implying, how are you going to exchange your life force? What are you going to do? What are you, how are you going to spend your time in exchange for money? Well, it's like when you go to a networking event, people don't say, who are you? They go, what, what do you do? And you're like, well, hmm, that's a pretty loaded question. I breathe, I, eat, I shit, I, I eat, you know. <laughs> so when you realize that this way we can come with huge compassion, forgiveness for ourselves when we go to judgment, like, oh, should I get caught into this doing this business? Because you almost judge that if you're not doing that, you're a freak, you're weird. But what's so great is then we can go, okay, cool. But that doing, that activity actually has got nothing to do with creating wealth. It's nothing, it's got nothing to do with actually creating the support structures, the resources that we want serving us and coming into us to enable us to live great, juicy, joyful, connected lives. Ah, okay, because then we can start a different conversation. Then we can start a different focus, which is then what we're wanting are things that support us and serve us to live the greatest version of our lives. The point is not just to be busy so that we know what to say to people at a networking event. (laughs) (laughs) 
answer. <laughs> you know, and we've laughed about this before. Is that that identity piece? You know, and I mean, there's so many areas I know I'm deviating off, but this really is an, an important piece that sometimes the busyness that we get caught into is just because it feels so uncomfortable not to be busy, not to be working hard, because we've got so many arrangements with that. So it also is very interesting linked with where we also place value as a society. We also place deep value on the earning. Actually, you know, how much do you earn? How much money do you bring in? The revenue in the business or as a salary, that this is supposedly a reflection of our worthiness. You know, woohoo, we now are, you know, we're now worthy of love. We are now worthy of to have a breath and, and justify our place in the world. So this can also happen in relationships. And there's a lot of reasons why people focus on either the revenue in their business or their income that they earn, realizing that again, well, not realizing that income and revenue is irrelevant. And income and revenue in itself will never create wealth. It's what we do with that income. It's what we do with that revenue. How much of it gets to stay in your life? What are you converted into? Does that then enable you? Do those seeds get planted to things that can keep working for you? And this is where people can earn a lot of money and as I say, successful in business, but not actually transform their lives in any way. Just be super busy earning. Again, it comes back to this focus that we've got a society that believes high income, high revenue in a business means worthiness. Therefore, that's the thing we need to be focusing on. Then wondering why do we feel depleted, drained, crappy because, shit, I'm doing all of this. I might even, you know, doing all the work. Is that actually getting me where I want? Or hang on, I've done all this work now. I'm getting the income. But why is my life not different? Why am I not enjoying this wealthy experience that I'm wanting? So that's the second point. One, we don't understand assets and we've been taught that there's this, we've got to exchange our life force. Secondly, we've got this fixation on earning, revenue, income. And this can also happen in relationships. So, so often you'll see that there's a belief that he or she who is the primary earner is also the person who by default is supposedly meant to manage the money. Sort of, <laughs> and you know, let me just say, there's also we all as women have also, as much as we've progressed in our own liberation, there's these from everybody movie, any kind of what are those sort of what are those sort of like love story kind of movies? What are they called? Flick chick flicks, rom-coms, kind of things, my darling, rom coms, those kind of things. There's always the same old recipe. Along comes the bloke and rescues the pretty little damsel who no longer needs to worry about this stuff because the money stuff's also related to security certainty it's, it's deep based chakra activities that somebody else needs to handle manage that stuff but also if whoever's the you know and often and still is many men still earn more than than women even in the same roles positions so we can then have that judgment that if somebody's say if chosen that they say a woman is going to do more of the child care then there can be this other story that if they're not actively earning or bringing the same level of money and that somehow their worthiness in relation to this aspect of this deep woven in is less, that they have less say on the money stuff and that then that should be left to the person earning it or bringing it in. And this is super, super dangerous because often somebody can be great at earning but not great at creating assets. Both are learned skills. 
but there's a lot of deep assumptions around it. So there we also have this disconnect. So why do people then go, because we value the earner, then people think, then I want to focus on earning because then that's when I'll be valued. But I'd love everybody to start shifting in. Could we, can we value the asset creator instead, the actual wealth creator? Because an earner is not a wealth creator. It's the person or the activities that create an asset actually have the highest value. Because an asset is something that can go on and on. Earning is a one-off exchange. Asset creation is generative. It's expansive. It actually creates something that can grow and expand. It's deeply creative. It's part of creation. So if we start going into that side and going, ah, now what it done, still be quite esoteric. I appreciate this side. So but if we think from that side, okay, if I've valued creating assets more, if I slow down and spend time in my business and said, well, what is something I could create? Could it be a process that would liberate me and that I could automate? That's an asset because it would make things easier. Is it a system? Is it a routine? Is it a ritual? What could be created to free me up? Assets freeing up. Then we get to the financial side. Ah, if I slow down and actually make sure some of that money stayed and invested it in some other businesses by the stock market, ah, I might not have that instant gratification of that little sugar rush because I can now go and consume that money. But if I just slow down, put that money into an asset, now I can hold on to it, allow it to grow. That will keep feeding me on and on and on. Could I focus on my time and energy and looking at things like property, investment property? I mean, that's just such a huge area. So I'm just sort of covering some of the asset classes of when we think that an asset is just something that creates value and can work for us and we benefit from the way that the value is exchanged from it without having to be involved in it. If we could slow down and spend time in, say, the business and say, what is something that we're going to be doing anyway but how could we, again, repurpose it, expand it, get it to more people? This podcast, you're looking at how could that then be turned into an asset? It reaches by using technology, by systems. It can reach millions and millions of people. So there's things like royalties, books, but there's also just automated systems. All of these are assets. But most people are so caught in the addiction of trying to get that validation from that front-end exchange because we've just got a society that has told us that's where our worthiness comes from. Yet a deep longing for to be freed up, to have more time, to be able to have more freedom of choice. And that's that beautiful side, this realization. I'm hoping anyone listening going, ah, oh, if you're feeling that conflict, that you're focusing on trying to get bring money in, income, earning, increasing your income, increasing your revenue, but you're feeling this disconnection and feeling you can't be present for life because you're so busy, you're hustling, that life's just too full. Your gap is because you don't have assets. It's not because you're doing something wrong. It's just that your focus, you've never been really taught to shift and go, oh, how do I create these things and bring them into my life? And I've rambled on a bit there on various different sides. So. No, I love this, Anne, because I remember my big aha moment with you was at the seminar and you said, you know, people just work to bring money in, but actually have your assets work hard for you. And <clears throat> I'd already make, be making assets, but I'd never seen it that way. I'd never seen that actually our job is to create assets. And, and yeah, so my question is for someone that's never done this before, for someone that's... Yeah 
never actually created an asset before. Maybe they are working hard on the business. They've done really well with the business, but they've actually never, let's just say, invested into making an asset. Where do they start? Such a great question. So the real key thing is just, again, first fully just stopping and going, what's the intention? What's the intention? There's something else that can do the value exchange. So this is still very broad, but I'm going to keep harping on this because... We'll, we'll narrow down and we'll go into stock market, property, businesses, leverage businesses. These are your classic assets, your investment classes, as they're called, as we go into start building up these assets, these investments that can then grow in value and earn income. But we need to come back to then, if we get start getting a bit more creative, an asset, first and foremost, is something that can exchange value to somebody or some other entity without you having to be involved in it. And so there can be an exchange of value and money can come in. An asset can bring wealth into your life and money into your life in two ways. It can grow in value and it can generate income or it can do a combination of both. So there's growth, there's value expansion, and there's income generation. So as long as that is happening, there's the exchange of value is happening separate from you. It's growing in value and it can earn income or one or the other, or both, then you can call it an asset. So now you go, okay, let's get specific because, so I'm going to start with some of the non-traditional ones. So let's think of a vending machine. Most people don't realize that a vending machines that they see all around the world, whatever their judgment is with Coca-Cola cans, cans spurting out, you also get more healthy ones nowadays. You get vending machines in Japan, for example, out, coming out of nightclubs as a really, really savvy investor who thought, let me see if I can add value. And said, what thing? Woman coming out of nightclubs. I'm up there as well. We've all worn our sexy, gorgeous shoes. By the end of dancing for five or six hours on them, toes feel like they're about to actually fall off. Want to take those shoes off, but they'll come and need to commute home. So there are these vending machines with these little pumps. How clever is that? And when people are in that moment of wanting, like, I just want to get these shoes off. So there's these vending machines with different sizes. Now, that vending machine is giving value. No, that person doesn't need to be involved. Now, most people don't realize almost 90, something like 97% of vending machines around the world are owned privately by you, by me. And people go, oh, we just don't often assume that's the them, you know, the them out there, something, whatever. <laughs> so somebody has gone, oh, okay, I can have a vending machine either spewing a Coke can out and chips or a pump for somebody's feet. But the bottom line is the vending machine is doing the value exchange, money goes in, and it's earning that income. More classic assets are the stock investing in the stock market. So a lot of people get confused there. So when you think about the stock market, that is just buying and having a share in another company that you don't have to pitch up for work for. You don't have to manage the company. You don't have the employee headaches. You don't have all the stress. You benefit from the growth and the value of the company and the revenue, the profit that it comes. You don't actually invest in the stock market. The stock market is just like the supermarket, but that's just the place where you buy those bits of a company. So companies owning businesses is an, is an investment. That now becomes the asset. We've already mentioned property, but again, this is so, so broad. And if we think, what is property? Property is just something physical which somebody else or an entity like a business can utilize to meet some need that they have. 
and they pay you for use of that thing, that physical thing. So there's a classic, classic one that most people go to is good old buy to let, where maybe you own an apartment and you rent it out and then somebody pays you rent and so therefore you're making money. But you can expand that to retail, industrial, commercial. These are office blocks. This could be an industrial unit, stone place. But it also can be a shipping container. A shipping container at its edge is... The same as, you just think it just happens, it's like an apartment, but it's an apartment block for goods that happens to go up and down on a train or, or a ship. And again, the majority of those are owned by private individuals, which are then leased to shipping companies, to transport companies to move. So now you go, oh, wow, no one even, I didn't even know these things. And they're actually not that difficult to get into. They're you not. Need, you don't need a lot of money. And that's, again, another belief. So the key thing is start realizing. I always describe it a bit like first being open to we don't know what we don't know. And just perhaps, just perhaps, and I know on my journey with you, I had to open up to go, there's a whole world that I know, this world called work hard, get out there, earn money, you know, do this active exchange. But maybe there's this whole other world going on there that I've just never been exposed to, but first believe it exists. So I'm just hoping with that from this point with these seeds, for somebody, please, if this is sounding patronizing, if you know all of this, it's not meant to be. It's meant to be, I certainly had no idea when I started this journey. I was taught to work hard. I studied engineering. That was the way you had to do Go and You know, if you really work hard, earn, and if you can get a good salary, then you'll be safe. But it wasn't. I just, you know, nothing changed the world until I was open to realize perhaps there's a whole nother secret world and maybe it's not so secret. It's only secret because I've never been aware of it. I don't know to look for it. So when you start going, okay, there's these things called assets. These are things that deliver the value in exchange for us. Now I can go on a curiosity hunt. Now I can trigger my reticular activating system. Now, many of you listening here, you're going to go out from and suddenly you're going to start seeing assets everywhere and go, oh, that's an asset. So to, to, this is a long convoluted say, where do you start? You start by going, let me be conscious about being aware of what are these things called assets and how in my everyday life. So just one more example of something. So there was a client of mine and she was like going, what are different assets side? And we'd spoken about now the internet has created the most extraordinary opportunity for people to create assets because you've got this monstrous, just extraordinary thing that no one truly understands up there called the internet that connects everybody to everybody else and things whiz around in the ether. But effectively, it gives you a mechanism to add value to multiple, multiple people using systems and processes and just technology to do the delivery. And so this was mum, she was wanting, she was staying home, she had kids, but wanting to get some other things in place, um, some assets, some, some revenue coming in, but also realized, you know, she could go and do a little bit of work here and there, but that wasn't going to serve. She wanted to create an asset. And she thought, what is she great at? And her friends just kept telling her she was brilliant at creating treasure hunts for her kids and other kids. Oh, wow. She loved the creativity. She would come up with different themes of stuff and the little maps, the ideas of, you know, what could the treasure hunt lead to? And she would do these anyway. And she thought, hang on, I'm doing them anyway. What if I put little treasure hunt packs together of 
fall between these ages, how many months are a birthday parties coming up or something else and or gonna have all the kids around and I'm like, oh my God, I can either shoot myself with them going mad with loads of sugar, or we've got to do something with them. What could be more for how to engage? And so she just started compiling these in a way. So this is sometimes where I say this slowing down. Instead of going, oh, well, I don't have time. I'm, I'm so busy. I'm so busy earning a living. I'm so busy doing lives. Just sometimes say, let me find a way to create an asset that it might mean for a moment or for a you know, nanosecond that I, it might take some time from elsewhere, but it's going to give me time. That's that really being prepared to plow the field, to plant the tree in order to be able to eat for it. So she said, okay, it might be a little extra work for me, but the next time I'm going to create this pack in a way that's repeatable, that I can press it, it's going to look nicer. And she created these PDFs and these downloads and attachments and instructions that thinking, okay, if I'm not there, how would I help somebody set these things out? So a little bit more energy, a little bit more input up front to create it so that she could think, how could this then, with, if I wasn't there, how could it still add the same value? So there's extra learning having to be clear on that. And then she created a website, very simple. In this day and age, there's so many extraordinary sites, you know, whether it's from Squarespaces to sites, simple stuff, simple things, you don't even need a website. She created online. And now she, I think she's got about it's about 23 different, um, I think the last count, the last time she mentioned me, of these treasure hunt ranges and for different ages and these packs that people can buy. And they sell anything from $7 to like $21. It comes these ready downloadable packs. And she earns an income from these that these just go on and on and on and on. You know, it's something like one and a half to 2000 US dollars a month from the thing that she's just created, but she thought about how can I add value and how can I do it in a way that's repeatable, that I can keep going? And then how do I do it in a way that I don't have to be involved in that exchange? So I hope by sharing range there, knowing that that's just the tip of the iceberg, there are literally billions and billions of opportunities for us to create assets if we just start thinking about it in a different way but it's about understanding these three components and then go, where do I I start from where I am now? Yeah, because there's a sense of like, you get yourself out of the more monster. You know, know, and I've talked about this many times, which is I just need more clients. I just need more this. I just need more that. But actually what I'm really hearing is this is a way to just, to sort of relieve yourself of the more monster step back and go, right, I am a creative, unlimited creative being. So what can I create that can actually deliver something that I actually really need? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's so beautifully covered, we actually go, so often we we ask ourselves the wrong questions. Mm. And so, you know, our, 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 our creativity, our unconscious, our energy cannot not answer us. So if we are, if we are believing that more income is what we need, that's where all our focus is going to go. And that's why we just stay in, as you said, more monster, the more income monster, because the more monster's got various heads. She's a bit of a Medusa. It's the um, <laughs> is that. But I think this is what's so great. So one is going to be careful what we believe we need and just challenge that and going, well, maybe, just maybe it's not more income, it's more assets. So how do I create those assets? And of course, it is for many, many assets, having a seed of money 
you know, helps us to get them in and create them. But many, many assets don't need a seed of money to start. So that also breaks a whole nother myth that you need money to make money. Investing is expensive. Even in the stock market, you can start with a simple product like an index tracker. You know, we don't have time to go in there, but if you look up the wealth share, if you go on my website, we have great freebies in terms of that. You can look up index trackers. But it's a great, simple introduction product into the stock market, which is low cost in terms of money works for you, not the financial industry. But also you can start with small amounts of money. So two different things, cost and amount you can invest are two different things. You can be starting from 25 pounds, 50 US dollars, 40 euros on a monthly regular investment. It's this habit. And I think that's the next key, key element, Marina. We also need to let go of, of the seeking the, the knight in shining armor and not just from the aspect of a male or somebody too, but it's this thing that's going to rescue us. That also is related to more money. If I could just get that one big contract, if I could just get that one converting funnel in my online business, if I could just get that, you know, that land, that big contract, then I'll be okay. Because we've also been fixated that there's this one thing that's going to rescue us and that's going to sort out the money shit. And then we'll be able to be okay. Then we'll be able to live our lives. And it's the most insidious serpent that prevents us from just living our lives and, and, and being able to experience and be with joy because that doesn't exist. It's, it, there is no one thing, just like there is no one path. There is no one perfect business. There is no one perfect partner. There's no, there's no such thing as perfect kids. There's no such thing as perfect fucking hair. Whatever that, that thing that we think is going to suddenly make us feel complete and okay and safe is just an insidious way of keeping us trapped and away from our joy and away from being. And it's so prevalent in the financial money world that there's this one investment, there's this one contract, there's this one business, there's this one thing. So we realize that actually there's also these multiple small things that all of them add together. Not only does that spread our risk and it's far more sustainable, but it's far more normal. It's natural. You know, I know you you came out and spent some time with me in the African bush, which was just such a privilege to share that space with me, which is so sacred and important to me. But I think nature can also teach us so much about the joy of being, about presence, about abundance, about living a wealthy life. And then we, we also, you know, lions don't sit around and go, okay, if we can just get that woolly mammoth, then, then we never have to hunt again. Oh, my God, isn't it going to be so brilliant? Just imagine those giraffe daiquiris we're going to be able to have down by the waterhole. <laughs> never have to do that again. You know? <laughs> I think your dog also actually uh, seemed to think that that was a good idea. Exactly. She was like, going like really? Yeah. Like she's really oh, that's like, yes, humans are just bloody loony. But we have this sort of fixation and we go, no, there are these multiple things. And we're actually, what a pleasure. We're creative beings. We need to have that expression. So we can let go of one. There's no one thing that's going to solve our money story and there's no one asset. You're wanting these multiple assets change your direction. But you also realize that money's not a problem to be solved. It's not a, again, this side, when I've got this money stuff, when I've no longer got that, then I can live the life I want. So, so much of questioning 
why are you being busy? Why are you filling your life with this crazy activity? And also when we go, I can't afford it, or I'd love to do that, but I can't. Money is used as such a convenient excuse to not look at our, our real fears as to why we aren't doing the things we want to say we want to do. I love that, Anne, and I love the fact that that once you really understand what money is and what it can be used for, it doesn't need to hold you prisoner anymore. So often I hear people think, you know, say to me that money really is the problem, when in actual fact they don't see that the abundance that they seek is already inside of them, that in fact they can create just like, oh, wow, what a genius idea, you know, with the pumps. The asset we have is our creativity because yes. it's from our creativity that, that we can create, you know, a vending machine yeah. that can create money for us. Oh, I love that. And this is and this is where we really understand how insidious so much of when if we believe that money needs to be the first step before we can have the life we want, it becomes a prisoner. That's the enslavement. But if we also realize that in a way for many people that's become a comfort. It's been a convenient way to stay a victim because yes, because as you and I both know, when we drop that when we no longer can use that, when we create our own financial freedom, when we have these assets doing working for us and income generating side, there is this great joy, this great realization, freedom of choice, freedom of time. And almost at the same time, there's a great like, oh shit, now what? Because the excuses are now taken away. And we realize that the money thing was always an excuse because it's, is it's comforting to be able to say, yeah, I really, really would go and write that book, start that podcast, go and travel, experience that life if I had the money. But I can't, so there we go. So what it does by going there first, I can't afford it, I don't have the money, the money's the problem, it shuts down creativity. Yeah, it does. Because if we came to say, okay, I'm going to stand fiercely for my freedom. I'm going to stand fiercely for my dreams. I'm going to stand fiercely for my life experience. Then we go, okay, how can I go and have that travel experience? How do I have do that podcast? How do I experience this or bring that into my life? Because now that starts our creativity going. But so often the greatest asset we all have, our creativity, our, our resilience, our tenacity, our the excited energy of expansion, of creation, creativity is we naturally, we live in a universe that wants to expand, that naturally needs to create, to grow, to die. You know, trees, they need to every year be producing seeds and next one. That's just what this world is about. If we're not doing that, we're we actually dying, we're stifling, we're in a deep, deep disconnection with ourselves. So... That's why it's so important to not get judgmental, but be aware of where I'm using that I don't have money as a way of hiding, of staying in our victim comfort zone. And I just want to add this. I don't know whether, I think anybody listening to this podcast and at a socioeconomic level able to have access to the internet and site is relevant, but I just want to say that I'm also fully, fully cognizant living in Africa and I've put myself in the side, there really are people who genuinely, genuinely money is the problem, who need to be able to find access to just fundamental basic side. So that is, but it's not for most people who say it. 
that if we have any kind of access, then it's important for us to then go, oh, what am I doing with it? Thank you for that, Anne, because there is a distinction between somebody who's generally just surviving day to day, you know, that doesn't have food to eat, that doesn't, you know, just has no money, that, that is in a situation where they might be, you know, illegal in a country or they're doing the best they can, but they can't actually... And for um, many women around the world, there is still not the privilege that we have of creating wealth and abundance, which then also brings the other side, not to go into guilt or why I shouldn't want more, but almost understanding for those of us who do have that access, that hard-fought freedom, the ability to have, the ability to use our creativity and our resources pretty freely, there's almost a responsibility, I believe, to learn how to master money, to learn how to create assets, to learn how to, instead of just consuming it and stay in the scarcity place of busyness and contraction, there's a level of this next wave of a deep responsibility for our consciousness and this world needs us to now go, how do I make this generative? How do I go from this hand-to-mouth existence to actually learn how to plant these seeds, to create assets for myself, my family, my community, so we can bring far more the power of resources. So these extraordinary creatives, these women, or people who maybe in the past, again, haven't been able to express and be fully present with life because they've been caught in the, I've got to work and be busy hard for money. To shift that, now we talk about liberation. Now we talk about power to be able to come forth and start balancing out so much of the imbalance that's in our world. And I've sort of gone to next, but you know my heart. This is the deep, why I do what I do. Because I believe that until more big-hearted people who can have the resources, the economic resources behind their missions and bring that, we're never going to be able to fix so many of the, the imbalances and the, and, the, and the crippling state that what we've done to our earth, our societies, our life. And this is why we need to learn how to master assets, create these things so we go from this enslavement and bring the, this way of big-hearted creatives of, and this creation to solving so many of the problems that if we truly give a damn about the next generation of kids, we'll commit to it. And it needs financial resources and it needs us to be financially savvy. Yeah, because, you know, thank you so much for bringing your big heart to this, Anne, because I really hear you and I and I really hear how important this mission is to you. And I see it, you know, and I've experienced it because, well, not only are you a friend, but you're also a mentor of mine. And one of the things that I've noticed with the women I work with and in society is that there's a deep-seated belief that when you're rich, X will happen, that somehow what what... You know, there are, there are so many judgments about being rich. And, you know, I've been surrounded by lots of people in my life who, who haven't had much, right? And they've come to me. And at the beginning, I could see that there was a whole bunch of judgment around, she has money, you know, she can pay for it. Why should I pay for it? You know, and so I, I'd be really interested to talk about that, for, for just to sort of delve into that and talk about how in actual fact, it's not true because most of the people that I know that have a lot of money are doing some really cool things with it. So beautiful. And I think this is so important. We, as humans, I say, let us, can we give money a break? Can we just <laughs> yeah. let go of all of our judgments and all of our projections of some of our greatest fears? We sort of vomit these all over the label of money. 
interesting, maybe you could also vomit all over the label of, you know, God or creator, often the most worst judgment to these things externally. Money is just an energy. Money is just a mechanism of exchange. But what it is, it's, you know, it, it, it's, so it's a bit like tofu. <laughs> I hate tofu. I've got some projections around tofu. But so here we go. So if you think, you know, what's good old tofu? Absolutely, you can go, oh, my God, is that that bland vegetarian thing? Got to go. But, you know, I, I lived six and a half years in Hong Kong and in, in Asia with extraordinary chefs who understood how to give flavor to tofu. Really? And tofu can absorb almost any kind of flavor. It's an extraordinary holder of flavor. And so it can be made, say, it's like chicken, fish, whatever. So this is quite funny. So let's move away and go, okay, if it was tofu we were exchanging, whatever your belief around it, but just as something that in itself is completely neutral. So tofu is almost neutral. It's almost flavorless. But we can add, but it has deep protein. So it can serve. It's high, high, high protein, which our bodies need to come in. So it's something that can nourish us. But we can choose what flavor we want to put on it. And it can absorb any flavor. Money's pretty much the same. So notice if we're going money is, money is, you know, or people who have money or the rich or the side, it's something you're greedy or this or that. We put that onto money. What money is, is a magnifier. It is like that protein. that it, So it, it carries this this vital need as an input into life. We need money to be able to survive in this modern world. Unless you're literally still one of the very few tribes still living deep, deep, deep in the Amazon, there's almost nowhere in the world that you can be without needing money at different levels of just survival. Food, shelter, security, then expression, then self-actualization, and so it goes up. Money is interwoven in every aspect of this. So, you know, I'm not even interested in getting into the conversations, is money important or not? Because it's a, it's a, it's, that's a stupid argument. It's like saying, is oxygen important? Is water important? Well, try and live without it. You know, pretty short time. But the aspect is, so what is it? So let's start with the fundamental. Money is an input into us living and a vital input us being able to live fully, being present, vital lives. Now, that's all it is. But the more it is, it just is a magnifier. So I've read that people with a lot of money. So having a lot of money to me also doesn't make you wealthy. I've read people with a lot of money who, who are complete assholes, <laughs> who are mean, nasty, egotistical, whatever, self-expression. I've read people with absolutely no money who are complete assholes, mean, nasty, egotistical, all about themselves. Hmm. Okay. The difference is... The asshole, shame I shouldn't, assholes are, are just another part of body. Okay. Whatever the word is for the e The deeply insecure <clears throat> it would be yeah. a very PC way of saying yeah. it. With lots of money, enables, it magnifies it. They have got more resources to just magnify their meanness, this egotistical, they're about their whatever neuroses and spread them out in the world. So it just becomes bigger. So a person who's, who's generous, connected with that, but also let's even look at generosity. What do we mean by that? Generosity is also not just spewing your money around. Let's say if they're conscious, if they can, they can be fully present with life and vital and, and take that sort of personal responsibility for how do they pitch up in the world. They can contribute. 
in multiple ways. So I've met very poor people who are able to do that, who have an extraordinary ability to, to have resilience, to take a seed of potential, of time, of money, and turn it into amazing things. I've met people with a lot of money who are able to do that. It's not money that made that. That's part of their intrinsic being and also about a consciousness and part of their own emotional intelligence, their own evolution of self-mastery and who they are. But what money now enables is, again, a magnifier. So the person who's creative, who goes out there, who's maybe contributing, whatever that is, they've just got more resources to direct to it. And, you know, the good old Bible, whatever your current religious thoughts, but, but the, this, the Good Samaritan from the Christian Bible, and just about every, whichever, whether it's Quran and Gatra, whatever sort of religious text, there's, there's some parable of the equivalent of, of the Good Samaritan, someone who went up there and did good in the world. And that parable is about someone who had resources, who had financial resources. The Good Samaritan could only be a Good Samaritan because he had financial resources. If he didn't have the financial resources, he would just be another wishful thinker. And so when we notice judgments about what do we believe and also are where we are projecting on people. So again, if we're coming from, and, and, I, and I'm familiar with that energy of, oh, that person's got money, so they should pay. Go come back, oh, this is really interesting. What am I saying about myself? That I don't have the resources, the mechanisms to have what I need in the world? What is that message we always are giving to ourselves? And that's what should alarm us. Never about what are we projecting outside. And that's what's so great when we become conscious about our thoughts, especially around money, because they're telling us about what we believe about ourselves in relation to our world and our ability to be and have, live joyfully and really our ability to be with the joy of being. Oh, there's so much I want to share and jump in. I'm just noticing the time. But I just want to also speak just one last side, just thinking about, you know, the joy of being and, and joy itself. To me also gain money and being rich or wealthy. Because you also spoke about when you get there, a lot of people think, oh, you shouldn't have any problems or, or this or that or everything will be sorted when you've got a whole bunch of money or when you're wealthy. I think there's also judgment even on what is happiness. There's this crappy bullshit message that's also sent out there sometime in the personal development world or the spiritual world that we should all be seeking a state of continuous sort of euphoria or happiness or we're like, I don't know, romping around in the field of amazing. <laughs> nothing bad should happen to you. You should never be heartbroken or tearful or sad or frustrated or angry. So often it's going to be, okay, when I've got money, then I'll be, you know, just be able to do all these nice things and I'll, I'll never feel that. No, it's just a mechanism for you to be able to be more present with all of those things. So if you're going to be heartbroken, you can be fully heartbroken. You don't have to dash off to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can go to a sauna or a spa and, you know. Truly wallow. Or if you can, so, you know, I'm being a little bit flippant, but I think it's also so important. We, 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 are, we get all these judgments, also these expectations that having money is somehow now going to protect us from emotions or experiences that we have deemed as bad. And when we truly, for me, the word joy, and when we have money in service of joy, we realize joy in itself is actually very calm almost neutral, almost tofu-like experience. 
Because joy actually transcends experience. Mm. Joy holds a space and says, I fully understand that life in its glorious, joyful expansion is all of these things. And I can be fully present. That's why this joy of being, I can be with it all. I don't have to run away from it. And that, to me, is then when you understand how to get money and service for you, allows you to feel and be joyful. Yeah, because I what I really heard in that is that a lot of people and you know, and I sometimes don't see it very clearly is that it gives us a feeling, but it can't. It the feeling state we're in is what then projects out onto the thing we think it's money that's giving us that feeling or the story around money, but joy is our innate state. Joy is what we're birthed into. It's it's who we really are. It's our true nature. Yeah. And so if we can really see that and insightfully see that and experience it Money then just becomes, as you say, a resource that we can use and be more creative with it to create more of it and and to give us more time. So, so speaking of time, Em, I love to ask this question of my guests because for me, permission is such a big part of oh, yes. joy in that often we don't give ourselves permission to do the very things that we want to do because we think we can't or because we just make up lots of reasons why we can't. So I, I love to ask this question at the end, which is what are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days? So one of the things I'm giving myself deep permission for and I'm playing around with is the permission to be fully congruent that I love work. Now, how is the irony of, well, not necessarily the irony we're talking about, but for me, loving work is, again, I think so, so interesting. We started with this whole thing about maybe feeling you're busy, you're dashing around. Where is the energy that you're coming from? If we were are engaging in our creative expression inside from a place of, I have to do this because I've got to get inside, rather than as an expression of your really intrinsic worthiness, I don't have two very different results. When for a while, you know, especially I am financially free. I don't need to work for the money. There's a lot of a world we, we, we bombarded with a lot of, it all should be easy. The whole aim of the game is the four-hour work week. And it can be a shame that if you're not spending 90% of your time sitting on the beach having a daiquiri, there can be a lot of shaming around that, that the surveillance. And so I'm giving myself the permission that my truth is in phases, in batches, I love to be fully present with creation, with being able to create and, and do what I call my work, my ministry, go out there, do a podcast with the amazing Marina Pearson, be able to be great. instead of going, oh, you know, I need to almost hide it because being financially free and then having a successful online business, which is automated, do all these things should mean that I should be posting endless things on Instagram of me, you know, I don't know, wandering around a shopping mall or something. <laughs> But that's not my truth. So I think my permission piece I'm so disappointed. Is, I know. It's like I was waiting for that photo. I know. Going to just like, oh, shit, you know, that's the truth out. You know, so I think the deepest permission piece I'm going is to really feel into what brings me joy for now and not need to know that it's forever and just be truthful with that and be present with it until it no longer does. But then be awake to it and notice that and then go, ah, oh, now, maybe. So maybe next week I'll wander up and down the aisles of the supermarket, whatever it is. <laughs> so, Anne, thank you so much. Um, 
So if, if anyone wants to contact you, wants to know more about what you're up to, wants to, yeah, just know more, learn more about assets and so forth and so on, um, how can they do that? Where can they contact you? So the great two ways. So there's a great book called The Wealth Chef, published by Hay House, which you can get from you know all online, good old Amazons and Barnes and Nobles and all those different places. So go and check it out there. And head on over to thewealthchef.com. And yeah, it would just be an absolute pleasure to meet you, connect with you, and start this journey of, of getting money serving you and learning how to invest, create assets, and the real practical sides of, I know there's been a little bit more esoteric, the real practical sides of how do you, how do you bring money in service of you? Thank you so much, Anne, once again. It's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you and have this time with you, and I'm sure... The listeners have also got so much out of this today. So until the next time, bye-bye for now. Bye. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek. <laughs>